We're in this series called You Asked For It. On Easter, we did a survey. We asked you to tell us, and we do it every year. What are the, the main topics that you feel like you would love to hear a message on that we could help you in your personal life and, and in your growth and areas that maybe you're going through in life? And, and so we're bringing the top four this month. And last week, we dealt with the number one requested message, and that was uh, dealing with life and, and, you know, and how to let go. How, how do I let go of these issues? How do I let go of fear? How do I let go of bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever? We dealt with that last Sunday. Today, I want to deal with number two, and that is how do you overcome stress? How, how do you deal with this thing called stress? Anybody had any of that going on? And then next week, we're going to deal with number three, and that is how do I deal with this battle between doubt and faith? How, how do I win this war uh, getting into faith and letting go of doubt? And then the fourth Sunday, we're going to deal with the fourth most requested item, and that is how do I build a godly family? What, and I'm going to share a message on the biblical blueprint to what a Christian home should look like. And that's going to be interesting, all right? And so really want you to come out for all of these messages. Great to see new people today, guests that were here last Sunday back. Let's get right into the message on how to overcome stress. Did a little survey online and, and looking and doing some research on what causes stress. And obviously there's a million things out there that causes stress. Some of the things that they said are major issues with stress is marriage issues. You put two people into the same house, and you're going to have some issues, amen, because wives are wrong a lot, amen, God, come on, guys, that was your chance, that was your chance, and the men are going, I ain't saying nothing, I, ain't, I am not even going to respond to that, but it felt good to say it up here, but I will regret it later, amen, but we want them to be wrong, but usually it's us, and all the guys can say amen to that now, come on, guys, see, I know, make her feel good, so she'll go to lunch with you, all right, Legal issues, divorce affects over 50% of us today is divorce and, and the stress that comes with that. New jobs, money problems, parenting, uh, uh, false expectations from other people and even ourselves, uh, deadlines, job loss, retirement, the pace of life. And, and, and the last one was unresolved sin, that if you're living on that fence, the, there's no more painful place to be in life than straddling a fence and trying to be on the left or the right. And, and so stress is out there. The bad news is that I have to share with you today is those things aren't going away. It's called life. And, and it's constantly going to be there and so these issues in life that you and I are facing, they're not going to go away. So the message today is not how to remove stress because somebody's found out when you get through one circumstances, there's usually another one waiting for you, right? Somebody's found that out. You know, I, I constantly have people sit across from my desk and, and they'll go, Pastor, I never had these problems in life until I became a Christian. How many's ever said that? No, you didn't have problems, you're just going to hell. You don't have any problems in life. Why is the enemy going to upset your boat if he's sinking it without you knowing it? And so issues come after you become a Christian because now there's a war after your soul. There's a battle after your spirit. And all of these issues come to light now because you realize I'm not just a flesh and body. I'm a spirit and there's a war going on after my eternal soul. And so these issues in life are not going to go away. The good news is that when all of this is going on on the outside, something totally different can be going on on the inside. And that's where you win the battle of life. 
And I want to talk to you today and give you a plan through Scripture. All of our sermons here, messages, are based strictly on Scripture. And I'm going to give you a recipe on not how to get rid of stress, but I want to show you biblically how to overcome it and win the battle the enemy's bringing to bring the stress and anxiety and fear into your life. Let's go to our text, John 16, 33, and read it with me. Jesus speaking. Now, this is, I, I hope you'll go home and read the three chapters of the book of John that precede this statement where Jesus is forewarning the disciples. He's at the Last Supper. He's telling them that things are about to get bad. Things are going to get really, really hard out there. Great persecution is going to come against you guys. Get ready for it. He then says, I have told you these things, that these things are coming so that you might have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. They had no clue what he was saying, but scholars tell us that other than John, they all faced a horrific death. Bartholomew was tied to an X. He was beaten, bloodied, and tied to an X and left there until he died, and it took him two days to die. But Bartholomew, the historians tell us that he declared that I've been longing and waiting and anticipating for this happy day to come. And he continued to share the good news of Jesus until he died. And so he's telling them, Jesus is saying, I've been warning you about these things are going to come so that you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Come on, say amen, somebody. And so the psalmist said in Psalms 34, 19, many are the affliction of the righteous but the Lord will deliver them from them all. And the word affliction there, it comes from a Hebrew word that comes from the Assyrian form of torture, where they would literally take a man or woman and they would tie them with their hands to their side and they would put them to a stake. And people in the community would take stones and they would just start bringing stones and piling them up and piling them up and on top of each other until it literally consumed the individual and they looked like a teepee of stones and they would stand there under the weight of these stones until they were eventually over time crushed to death. But isn't that a true picture of what life often feels like when you're under the stress of a job and children and money and sickness and relationships all of these issues that the enemy is bringing against us, laying one stone. Am I preaching to the right church yet? One stone on top of a stone on top of a stone, and you throw, try to push one stone off, and here comes three more. And, man, all of a sudden you feel like you're suffocating under the issues and the troubles and the circumstances of life. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you and I under this thing called stress. What is stress? It's in your notes. It's a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. So you ask for it, but how many here would raise a hand today and go, I need to know how to overcome this thing called stress? Anybody else? What world are the rest of you living in? Because we want to move there, amen. All right? Because it affects us all, doesn't it? So I want to give you a recipe today to overcoming stress. And as we always do, we're going to go to Scripture, and we're going to show you through the Apostle Paul, the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. I really encourage you to read this whole book if you haven't. It's an amazing book on how to overcome, how to win the battle of life, the race of life. And he goes through four chapters, and, and then he gets to this fourth chapter, and he gives us a recipe 
on how to overcome stress. Now, you've got to understand that this book was written to us by the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. He has been beaten. He's bloodied. He's alone. He's by himself. He knows that he's about to be executed. He's now in prison in a Roman cell, which means that they're going to do one or two things. They're going to cut his head off in a coliseum while people cheer, or they're going to take him out there and feed him to some hungry lions, and, and they're going to cheer while they're ripping his body apart. He knows one of those two things await him, and yet the Apostle Paul starts the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians with this statement, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was the circumstances that you and I were in today, that's probably not the phrase that you and I would have started our chapter with. But Paul has learned some secrets in life that he's wanting to teach us that there is still the ability in God and in His Word that if you want to overcome, you can overcome in any and every situation that life brings your way. And you can overcome worry. And all through the book of Philippians, you will see two words being just elevated and, and lifted up, joy and peace. Joy and peace. How many could use some joy and some peace in your life today? Some joy and some peace. I'm going to tell you how to do it now. Get your pen out and get ready. Paul starts it off. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He then comes twice in this chapter, in this book, we see this phrase, the peace of God transcends our understanding. You can't figure it out. It's, logic's not going to make sense that I'm supposed to be all strung out right now. I'm supposed to be stressed out. I'm supposed to be anxious. I'm supposed to be worried. But I'm at perfect peace because my mind has stayed upon him. And Paul, twice in this chapter, says the peace of God, it goes beyond our understanding. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And how many knows those are the two places the enemy has a bullseye on you today is your mind and your heart. But God said when the peace of God that goes on beyond our natural ability to understand, when we allow it into our spirit, it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so here they are, five steps, five ingredients in the recipe to overcome worry. Number one, Paul said it. He, I'm going to go through each, each one through Scripture. Paul said, don't worry about anything. Now, you were just as quiet at the first service when I said that. Like, that is so much easier to say than to do. Come on, am I real with that? Don't worry about Anything. Paul says this in chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious. And the word in the Greek there means worry. Do not be anxious or worry about anything. Do you know what worry really is? Worry is borrowing from the future something that probably isn't going to happen. That we're reaching into tomorrow when it's still today and we're worrying about what might happen tomorrow, thus it consumes and owns our today. And worry is borrowing from the future things that have not even happened yet and probably won't happen, or it's taking on the control and the responsibility of things that have happened that we have absolutely no control over. And so when we come and understand the causes of worry that I've got my mind on things that I have absolutely no ability to do anything about 
or I'm consumed with the possibility of things that might happen that have not happened and probably won't even happen. And so, thus, I miss my purpose in life because I'm dealing with all this anxiety, stress, and worry. You see, the word worry comes from the same word that we derive the meaning of choke and strangle. Boy, isn't that what worry does to you? It just suffocates you and takes the breath out of you. The Greek word means to divide the mind. Worry means to divide the mind that I know I shouldn't be going there with this thought, but I'm going there anyway. I'm in this warfare. You see, I know it's easier said than done. It's like, you ever flown with somebody that's never flown before? That is a fun experience. Now, I love to fly. I'd rather fly from here to my house than drive, okay? I just love to fly. I hate driving, all right? I, I put about 30,000, 40,000 miles a year on, and I'd just rather fly, okay? But have you ever flown? I, I flew one time. They had to move my flight from Mobile to Pensacola because of uh, some issues with a plane, and I got into, into Mobile, and they took us off of the big plane, and they put us on this really tiny plane. Now, I've flown in a two-seater, so I've flown small but this was a commercial plane. It had one row on one side and two little seats on the other side. And there happened to be this woman sitting in the front row that had never flown before. And they took us off the big plane and put us on the little plane. And they put my seat right across from hers, one seat behind. This woman is not happy. You know what I'm talking about? And then when they turned the air condition on, the humidity started coming out of the vents like it was on fire. This is not a good place to be right now because she's between me and the door and she stands up and says this is not a blankety blank plane this is a blankety blank toy <laughs> you know and it's when you call the stewardess over and go how often would a plane like this crash and they answer usually just once and then, then when this thing of don't worry about anything, when people tell you, look, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. How many's heard that? Well, I understand that, but what if it's the pilot's time to go and not mine? You, you know, that, that's not helping my crisis and my issue right now. Anybody with me on that? All right? But, but we've got to come and realize today that Paul, he's beaten, he's bloody, he's in prison, he's writing to the church, and he's going, you want to win this battle against worry? Don't worry about any." thing. You see, don't worry about anything is an action step that Paul is trying to bring to us. In Matthew 6, 27, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? How many of us can be a witness to that the day that we put all this energy into worrying that didn't add one moment to our life? It took away from our life. Paul's trying to teach that. This guy's about to die. He's about to be headed or be fed to lions, and he's telling me, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious over anything. You see, Paul had already made a con Paul had already made his decision for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. What's the devil gonna do with a guy like that? I can't mess him up. He's already told me if he lives, he's gonna declare the gospel. And if I kill him, he's all right with that because he's going to heaven. He wins either way. There's nothing the devil can do to the mind of a person that's in that mindset. If I live as Christ, if I die as gain, there's nothing you can do to me that's going to steal my joy. I'm not worrying about anything. Don't worry about anything. Number two is pray about everything. Paul says don't worry about anything, but then you need to pray 
about everything. You see, here's what I want you, I know you're writing, but I want you to look at me. You will never be closer to God than your prayer life. You see, many of us have this issue of not worrying about anything because we don't pray about anything. And if I'm not confident in God, see, when he says pray about everything, that means pray about everything. How many would join me and say, man, I'm still paying for some decisions I made that I didn't pray first? Come on. I mean, you need to pray about everything, Paul says. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Before you make a decision, pray. Before you give a response, pray. Pray about everything. Every Sunday, every time we meet here, I'll have people walk up to me, and I want you to, and they'll say, Pastor Dan, I'm going through this, or I'm facing this, or I've got this happening this week. I just want to know, will you be praying for me this week? And I don't go, yeah, I'll pray Monday. I'll say, let's agree right now. We're here. Let's don't wait till tomorrow. Come on, let's pray right now because prayer still changes things. And Paul says, don't worry about anything and you won't worry if you're praying about everything. Because you see, when God shows up and works on my behalf, it creates a confidence that develops within us that God's got this. God's got this. That he'll supply my every need, that he'll heal my every disease, that he'll mend my heart when it's broken, that he'll comfort me in my time of trouble. He's a friend closer than a brother that will never leave or forsake me. I have the promises of his word, and and when I see the promises of his word working in my life, it motivates me to come back to that prayer closet and declare that you've met me before, you'll meet me again. You've been there faithful, you've been there true. I'm trusting you, God. You've got this, Lord. I'm calling on your name, Jesus. You're going to bring resolve in this conflict. You're going to bring an answer in this situation. I'm calling on you. I've got my prayer room in here. I'm calling on my war room, God, to declare that you're good and you're nothing but good to me. Paul's saying in your time of struggle, conflict, stress, and worry, it's coming against you. He said, let it go. Don't worry about anything. And you won't if you're praying about everything. He says it in Philippians 4, 6, in everything. Now, before he said, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But then he says, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, we've got to come today and realize that in verse 7, he then goes on to say, when you do this, when, when you pray and present everything to God, He then comes in in the next verse and he says, And the peace of God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want to win the battle with worry and stress and anxiety? Don't worry about anything when you're praying about everything Because when you pray and bring your petition to God, he said the peace of God is going to guard your mind, the playground of the enemy, and he's going to guard your heart, the door to your soul and your spirit, man, and he has no weapon that he can use against you. That's going to bring defeat in your life when you learn to not worry about anything and pray about everything. He says when you pray about everything, then go to number three. And he said, think about the right things. So in the first two, he tells us what to do. 
I'm being very repetitious up here today because I hope you'll put these notes on your refrigerator, in your car, and let this be a recipe, a pattern that you're going to follow every day until it just becomes who you are and worries no longer are going to have a control of our hearts and our minds. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so the first two, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's what to do, but then we've got to learn how to maintain it. Paul says here, I want to show you how to keep it going, how to maintain it. Think about the right things. In Philippians 4, 8, he says, finally, brothers, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, has God done anything good for anybody in here throughout this week? Has God been faithful to anyone in here? Has God showed up and met you when you needed a friend? Has God, has God kept his word in your heart and in your life? Paul, in this place of distress, when most people would be screaming out, I don't deserve this, God. This isn't fair. He's teaching us, you, you want to maintain that spirit of freedom that's defeating worry and stress and anxiety in your life? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. But then I want you to think about the right things because God's been good to you. Come on, I said God's been good to me. God's been faithful in my life. I don't have to understand him to trust him. I don't have to understand his doings to believe in him and know that he holds me in the palm of his hand. And we've got to realize that Paul is saying that if you're going to overcome worry, you've got to begin to dwell on the right things in your life. Quit thinking about what might happen tomorrow. Stop dwelling on the things you can't do anything about. And wake up this morning and say, this is the day that my God has made. I'm going to rejoice and I choose to be glad in it. No weapon formed against me today is going to prosper. My weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of the stronghold of my enemy. I've declared today that I was young and old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You were wounded for my transgression. You were bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was placed upon you and by your stripes I am healed in Jesus' name. No weapon, no disease, no trial, no crisis, no enemy has a stronghold in my life because I'm going to dwell on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I woke up this morning with air in my lungs to breathe. I had a sound mind that would allow me to get out of bed and dress myself in clothes. I had a vehicle that I could walk out in and drive to my church in. I have a family that I get to come and gather with and worship the God who has redeemed me. I'm going to dwell on the good. I'm going to dwell on the lovely. I'm going to dwell on the pure. I'm going to dwell on the right. I'm not going in tomorrow. I'm not going to go into yesterday. I'm going to dwell on today that God has done me nothing but good and my bones will praise him from the grave. Said, so dwell. Oh, we're starting to preach, aren't we? Dwell on these things. You want to overcome worry? Change what you're thinking about. Change where your mind's at. I'll never forget my mentor, Burke Clendenin. He, one of my strongest mentors, but when, when Texas was going, I was on staff with him when Texas went into the greatest oil crisis in his history and it bottomed out and the economy bottomed out. And he's an old Marine sergeant, about 6'4". He's in heaven now. But he had a hand that was like three times mine. He had a finger that looked a foot long when he pointed at you. You know, I mean, just a big old man. 
greatest man of faith I ever met in my life. There was Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and Burke Clendenin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, I just have the highest respect for him. We were walking through the bank one day, and he was whistling. He was always happy, always go lucky, never seemed to worry about anything. He was Satan's worst nightmare. I mean, he had no fear of nothing, you know. And we're walking through the bank, and he's whistling. I'll never forget the president of the bank walked out. He said, BH, that was his initials. He said, how can you be so happy when the world's going so sour? I'll never forget. He never quit whistling. He just turned around, pointed that foot long finger at the president of that bank, said, that's your world, brother. Mine's doing fine. Just kept on going. Come on, somebody. When all the negativity surrounding you, when all the crisis is surrounding you, when all the negative voices is trying to get in your ear, you're not going to make it. Your marriage is over. You're financially done. You're going to lose everything. You're about to die. You ought to be miserable. You should be unhappy. You need to shift gears and get out of yesterday and move from tomorrow and get in today that my God is faithful to every promise of every word he's declared in my life, and I'm going to dwell on the things that he has promised me. That's worth coming to church for without the rest of them. You see, some of you need to let Philippians 4 become your filter. Some of you need to fast the news. I've done that. Just fast the news. I'm in it right now. I, don't, I just don't even like to listen to it because now it's no longer news. It's one agenda against another agenda. You don't get the truth on any side, but I'm going to tell you, with all that's going on in our world today, the hatred, the bitterness, the bigotry, the evil, the darkness, it's real. And don't think you're going to fix it because you're not. We've had black presidents, white presidents, Christian presidents, non-Christian presidents, and none of them be able to touch it because you can't fix what spiritual and the natural means. It's not going to get better. The Bible said the hearts of men are going to grow worse and worse and worse you got to quit trying to come to a resolution of how to fix man's sin. And you got to come and realize, how am I going to live as a Christian in the midst of the darkness of this world and be a light that the world can see Jesus inside of me? And I'm not here gloom and doom. I'm telling you, we're the answer to the world's problems. We're the answer to all that hatred, bitterness. And I tell people, I don't get on Facebook and talk a bunch of junk and garbage and get caught up in all of that because it doesn't bring an answer. I said, I'm not trying to bring a solution on Facebook. I want to live it every day of my life by example. Don't talk to me about racism when you only hang out with people of your color. When you've got people of all races around you, then come and talk to me about it. But don't practice it and then come and tell me me how to fix it. You've got to come and realize today that God is trying to raise up a church of people that's in the midst of a world full of anxiety and hatred and all of this stuff. And God says, I want a church that doesn't worry about anything. I want a people that's praying about everything. I want a people that's thinking on the right things. Then it leads us to number four. I'm going to give these to you quickly. Be content with my things. See, much of our anxiety today has nothing to do with life. It has to do with things that we want. Because the Joneses have it. Their kids are wearing it. So I'll use my mortgage money to make sure my kids are in style. Or I'll buy that car I really don't want just so other people can see me in it. And we've been consumed with this thing of things. Paul. He said, you know, you know what debt is? Debt's buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress the people you don't like. 
And you know what I found out? The people I don't like usually don't like me either. And they're not going to help you pay for it. But Paul, he's in prison. He's in stocks and bonds. He's about to die. And here's what he says in Philippians 4.11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He said, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And then he goes on in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Here's why many of us are in trouble in this thing of contentment is we put a false expectation on God, other people, and ourselves. We put this false expectation that I can just say it out there and God's going to do it. I can just ask for it and God's going to give it. We got this false expectation of other people and we even have a false expectation of ourselves. Can I ask some of you, never lower your standards, but some of you need to learn to lower your expectations. And it'll remove a whole lot of your stress. That's good preaching right there. Because we're expecting perfection from other people when we haven't learned how to live it ourselves. Number five, and I close. This is good stuff. Trust God for all things. You want to win the battle? You want to win? You want to overcome stress? Learn to trust God for all things. Trust. We live in a day where even this word has little meaning. Trust. Well, that's why we have so many contracts today. In a world of honesty, you had a covenant. It was a word of mouth. But today we have to have a written contract because there's a lack of trust. You see, Paul in prison, beaten, bloody, alone, about to be executed, says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He goes on in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. In verse 19, Paul declares, and my God will meet all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I said it earlier and I'm going to close with it now. Trust comes from previous experiences. Trust comes when I know that God has been faithful to me then. He's going to be faithful to me now. People ask our family all the time and we, we appreciate it. But they ask us, if you're a guest, my little grandson, my son and daughter-in-law over here, my little grandson's four years old and he's diagnosed terminal and, and, and he's in really bad. He's a sick young boy. I held him yesterday for hours and, and just prayed over him and talked hunting with him. We went fishing yesterday, man. We went hunting yesterday. He killed another eight point yesterday. In my dream, in my conversation, man, we're doing that. And I don't know God's plan. I really don't. I just know God's using him in his own way. And God has purpose and destiny. The entire haven that we have for family with special needs is a product of this young boy's journey. And it's happening all over the nation now. But I'm saying, I don't understand God. I will not understand God in this. But I don't have to understand him to trust him because I have years of experiences with him when I didn't understand it then. And he showed up. And he was faithful. And he was true to his word. And he's a sovereign God. And his His wisdom, His foolishness is greater than my wisdom. And His weakness is greater than my strength. And I don't understand Him all the time, but I trust Him because this isn't my first round with a situation. He's been faithful to me. He's been true to me. And God forbid 
if for some reason he decided to take my grandson this week, you will see us back in this pulpit preaching this same word next Sunday that God is good. He is sovereign. He is faithful. He is true to his word. Today, you want to overcome worry? Put your trust back in God more than you do your psychiatrist or your psychologist or your friend that's trying to sink your marriage because they're sunk already. Put your trust back in God for your finances. Put your trust back in God for your healing. Put your trust back in God for your miracle. Quit worrying about anything. Start praying about everything. and Keep your thoughts on the right things. God's got this. In Jesus' name. Come on, you receive the word today? Bow your heads with me if you will. I want to pray for you. How many would raise a hand today and go, I asked for this, or maybe you didn't, but this message was for me today. How many would raise a hand and say, God spoke to my heart today. This was a word that I needed to hear. You're just letting God know it, not me. They're paying me the same, whether you liked it or not, all right? But this was my word today, Pastor. I'm getting it. I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to take it home, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to put it to practice because worry is not going to control me anymore. In Jesus' name. Right after this service, Pastor Brad's going to give you some direction. The prayer team's going to be on the wall to my right and your left. And if you're here battling worry, anxiety, and fear, I want you to go to that wall when church is completely over and let our team pray with you. And let's get the freedom that we're looking for today in Jesus' name. But bow your heads with me. Maybe you're, you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm at step one. I need to join those that raised their hand this morning in the first service. I need Jesus in my life, Pastor. I'm not a bad person. I'm just not where I need to be spiritually, and I know it. And today, I just want to say yes to God. I'm tired of trying to carry this battle by myself. I'm tired of trying to win this thing called life alone. And I realize today, man, spiritually, I'm empty, and I need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip a hand up? Hands already going up. Wow, already going up. Already going up around this building. Hands are going up. Jesus loves you today. He really, really does. We love you too. We've been waiting for you. We've been praying weeks for you when you didn't know it. That this day would happen, that you would find Jesus. Anyone else, maybe online, you need Jesus today in your heart. He loves you. And if you raise your hand or you did not and you need Jesus today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And we're going to pray it with you so you don't feel alone. Say, Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you. I confess. I believe. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with the angels of heaven today.